All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves. Nice Tuesday morning episode. Tim is in Traverse City. My main man, Tim, we hung out yesterday. How was your night? What are you up to today? Oh, it was great. It's so good to be back. Uh, yeah, yesterday I went downtown, got some dinner. It's, I had like a list of places I needed to go and just pack it as much as I can into this week. And today hanging out at the boat in the dock with my buddy Brennan and probably back into town for dinner so. Big week, a lot of fun, but I, I'm back to work tomorrow, so. You're working where? No, you're not leaving tomorrow. You're just back to work No, tomorrow. no. Yeah, just back working. I have today and yesterday off. Um, you don't do anything. Let's be honest. You're going to, who cares? But yes, <laughs> it was nice. That's John. I have a podcast. You do. I For our listeners, I saw Tim. I hadn't seen him in a couple of months. You're getting pretty jacked, Tim. Do you mean that? The arms are looking bigger. I didn't want to pump your tire when I saw you at breakfast, but I was like, whoa, Tim. Bigger. I'll take it. The protein's the protein's working. Very, very good. But uh, so you're you're having a good time back in Traverse City. You you miss moving away. Yeah. You miss seeing Big John. Uh yeah. Yeah. It was good to see you too. You're looking great. You're you look like you're ready to have a baby. Oh man. It's it's getting to the point now where I'm just like sick of answering questions everybody yeah baby you have me i'm like no have not you'll be the next the, the the first to know i tell everyone i'll tell you right away no baby yet it's tuesday her due date is today technically so i know you know her due date was yesterday her due date was monday it's actually my youngest daughter's birthday today eleanor she turns two years old today so that's exciting we're going to celebrate her birthday and potentially have another one Another one dropping in to join us, which will make seven. But yeah, this has been, ugh, let's go. Let's get this baby going. So lots of ends were tying up. You know how it goes. You know, I was thinking, kids, I was giving them baths last night and we've been swimming in the lake at night too. And so there's that contrast between lake and bath time. And I just thought it was funny where the kids can go in the lake and jump around and, and heads under the water, getting splashed in the face. They don't cry at all. Totally brush off the water in the eyes, the water in the face. You get in the bathtub. If a water comes near their eyeball, they completely lose their marbles. And like, I want to tell I got water in my eye. It's just funny. Kids are just so mental. Like it's it's nothing rational. 
it's all mental. It's just really funny. Like they could be playing. My one daughter, she was playing with the kids and she stubbed her toe in the door and ripped her toenail off completely ripped the whole big toenail off. I'm like, are you okay? What's going on? She's like, yeah, it's fine. And she just beelines for the playground. Like that's unbelievable. If she would have done that any other spot, it would have been just completely meltdown. Rightfully. So it was a really gruesome, like she toenail peeled right off. I was like, Oh gosh, but mentally she wanted to play. Kids are completely mental. I don't care what physical thing is ailing them. They are, they mind over matter with kids. And it's, it's really kind of impressive to see whether it's good or bad. They want to play. Nothing can hurt them. They don't like what they're doing. Everything affects them. Everything. Like where we, we do rosaries every day. If they, if the kids, they got to take a dump, they got to go brush their teeth. They got to go comb their hair. They got to go check something. It's just like a laundry list of things because they don't want to do it. Sometimes other times, Nothing can phase them because they, I want to go outside and play. So they'll be like superheroes cleaning up this, do this, this, and this, and this. And it's like, boom, then they're out the door playing. It's just funny. Kids. I remember uh, going to the beach one time with a big family trip. And my little cousin, who was probably like eight or nine at the time, um, slipped on like, we went for like, we went down the beach. He slipped on some rocks and he, he was bleeding a little bit and he was like, fine. And I was like, hey, walk in the salt water. Like, you'll be great. We go back to like where the area where all the aunts are and everything. And they see him like cut. <laughs> And they're like, they just like exasperate, exacerbate everything and like exclaim like how brave he is and the master hurt. And like all of a sudden mentally he realized, oh, this is a little more serious than I thought. He starts crying and all of a sudden it hurts now because there's all this attention drawn to his cut open big toe. And it's like, it's totally mental. Like you said, he was fine until he got back there and he realized, oh, this is kind of a big deal. I better, I better react appropriately. Well, that's something I've learned with kids. The bigger deal I make out of it, the bigger deal it becomes. So if yeah. a kid falls... I initially ignore it. Like I'll see him bite it on the pavement or something like just ignore it. They'll look up. They'll look at me. It's like, what's dad's doing? And I'm like, nothing. And finally, I'll just like, are you tough? I'll ask him. I'll literally ask him, are you tough? And they go, I'm tough. And then they just get up and they walk off. But if, if someone else is there, like our friends or grandma or someone's with me and they, oh, then the kid starts to cry. They really feed into it. I'm just like, you ugh, stop it. I'm like, yes, I know they're girls, but they're, stop. They're tough. Don't don't feed into that. They're fine. All right, Tim. There's a lot to talk about today. It was nice catching up with you. It was nice seeing you, this and that. Some stuff has happened in the NHL in the last five days since we talked. There was the draft, obviously, some fireworks happening there. The presumed number one pick, Shane Wright, slotted in to go number one for months, months and months and months. Drops to number four, falls to the Seattle crack, and Montreal takes kid out of Slovakia. Number two, number three, Shane Wright goes four. All that aside, a flurry of trades. I'm talking multitudes of trades, big names moving places, guys not signing, and we need to recap it all. And I want to start with one of my former teams, the team that I really loved playing for, the Chicago Blackhawks. I reached out to Patty Kane this week. I'm like, what is going on? What are you doing in Chicago? What the hell? I, my text literally was, Patty, what the hell is going on? Can you explain to me what's going on? He didn't respond, rightfully so, because he's got Yet. a lot to think of. He, oh, he will respond. I know he will. I know Patty. but And he knows me. If whatever he responds, I'm going to just stay on the show. We, he knows that. But he's not responding for a reason. And, Tim, what is that reason? What's the rumors going on? We'll, we'll break into the trades, 
But all of that aside, the Hagel trade, the Doc trade, the Debrinket trade, the qualifying offer, it's not being extended. Everything, all of that is nothing compared to the rumors that you're hearing right now out of Chicago. Yeah, the rumors around Patrick Kane, and I remember thinking, like, okay, what's going to be his mindset here and all this stuff? He's furious. That's what people are saying. He's really upset. And there's even um, a report that he's going to request a trade formally from the team at the start of free agency tomorrow, Wednesday at noon. So he can read the tea leaves, and he wants no part of this. He's, what is he, 32 years old now, something like that? He doesn't want to be around to stick around for playing for a team. There's, he has no line mates left. We talked about it at breakfast yesterday. Like maybe seven out of their top nine forwards are gone, except for him and Taze now. Like everyone's going to be gone. So why would he want to be a part of that? So he, I think we've seen probably his last game as a Chicago Blackhawk. So right now, Patrick Kane is entering the last year of his contract. He's makes makes ten point five million dollars. He's thirty three years old. The Chicago Blackhawks, one of the most storied franchises in NHL history, dynasty, ten years ago. Their first line this year, opening night, left wing, Philip Khrushchev. Centerman is Lucas Reichel. Right wing is Patrick Kane. What are we doing, Chicago? This is the – and who said it from The Athletic? And I, I totally am right there with him. Mark Lazarus, he's a Chicago writer for The Athletic. He said it. I believe it. Everybody knows it. It's the most blatant case of tanking that he can recall. The other most blatant case of tanking was my Buffalo Sabres back in 2013, 14, I believe, when it was the race for Austin Matthews. It is so outright obvious. It's incredible. You trade away every young player you have. You trade away every piece that could make you competitive. And you get nothing in return, next to nothing. So let's break down these trades and just what, what this means for Toronto. Talk about a fall from grace. Talk about a team that was just on top of the world. Then you have the scandal with the trainer. You have the scandal with all the upper staff knowing about it, not acting on it. And now you just sell everybody. I don't know another franchise that has gone from just being one of those teams that you want to play for, a destination, guys where you would go there and take less money, a team where I'm going to go there, I'm going to be treated right, I'm going to have a great time, and I'm going to have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. You saw all these veterans go there for under-market ask for years and years and years, and that wasn't too long ago, Tim. That was five years ago. Fast forward to now, everybody's steering clear of Chicago. The management doesn't know what to do. Nobody wants to go and play there, and they are lining themselves up for probably one of the worst seasons in NHL history, just based on their roster. And it's going to get worse if Patrick King gets dealt. Who will score their goals? I have no idea. Who will be their goaltender? I have no idea. Yes, they traded for Peter Mrazek. They got him. <laughs> Is that your starter going into day one? I don't know. But let's break down the trades they made. Obviously, at the deadline last year, they traded Hagel. Two first-round picks, a good return. Everybody thought that was okay, right, Tim? But when you dig into it, <clears throat> you're trading away a young player who does a little bit of everything, entering his kind of prime. But the thing with Hagel was, Tim, he was locked up for a good term for a long time. 
And then he was still going to be a restricted free agent. So you had control over this guy for a long time, a manageable number, and he's a very effective player. He does a lot of things that not a lot of people wants to do. He blocks shots, he back checks, he hustles his tail off every time he's on the ice, and he can put in the, you know, he, he chips in offensively every now and again. He's the prototypical NHL type player who can just slot him in on the third line and he wins you games. He wins you Stanley Cups. He wins you a lot of things because he does a lot of things really, really well. So that was the that was the tip of the iceberg. I think when you look at all the trades that Chicago has made, that was the best return, don't you think? When you can get two first rounders for a Brendan Hagel, that's a pretty good deal for Chicago. I think on that one, don't you think they won that, Tim? Yeah, they did. They did, especially given the position of the franchise. But I think you could, you know, Tampa Bay would easily make that trade again, even though they didn't win the cup this year. He's such an effective player, only 23 years old, and he's under contract for two more years at one and a half. And for a guy that's got a little bit of offensive pop and does everything, like you said, I think both teams can do did okay in that. But I think the bigger picture is a lot of play, people are talking about Kyle Davidson being the new GM in Chicago. It hasn't even been a full year yet. And you're trading away all these young star players you know, the Brinkett, Doc, Hagel, they're not qualifying Dylan Strom. They're not qualifying Dylan Cooper. Like, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, let's break into the next trade. The next trade on the the docket for Davidson was their leading scorer from last year. A very polarizing player. We had a, a long conversation about him, Alex DeBrinkett. Young guy, multi-40 goal scorer in the league. Obviously knows how to put the puck in the back of the net. A guy like this, when when you consider what you can get for a player of his caliber for a player of his pedigree his history he's he's not you're not trading a guy who could turn into something if you're the ottawa senators you're not hoping to trade for a guy like a nishushkin for colorado when colorado got him from dallas when they picked him up it was like okay he has potential he was a first round draft pick he was a number 10 overall it didn't work out ottawa is getting a guy who did work out he's 24 years old he has scored 41 goals in this league. He is an excellent hockey player. Now, when you when you think of that trade, when you go back in history and you look at guys who have been traded under the age of 25, scored 41 goals twice, scored 32 goals in 52 games, shows you can play with elite players and put the puck in the net. The return on a guy like that has to be incredible. You have to get multiple first-round draft picks. You have to get prospects in return for him. You have to get an absolute haul for him. This is a franchise-altering trade because you're trading away a player who has proven he can put the puck in the net. And I know I slighted to rank it because he, he gets a lot of goals playing with Patrick Kane. Ottawa centers don't care about that. They know he puts up 41 goals. The Blackhawks have to sell this guy like he is an Ovechkin-type player. They have to sell him like he's an Austin Matthews type player. He is an elite goal scorer and you have to get a return as if he's one of those types of players. Now, what is, what does Chicago get from? It has to be more than the Hegel trade, right? No, it's not. It's less, less return than you get for Brendan Hegel. You get a high, high first round draft pick number seven overall. That's great. Number seven. Then you go to a second round pick, a number 39 pick. And then you get a third round pick in 2024. That's it. That's it. That's all you get, Tim. You get three draft picks for a 24-year-old player who has scored 41 goals twice in his young career, and he could be the face of your franchise. And this is a team, a Chicago team, that struggles to score. It's mind-blowing to me that they made this trade for this little amount. Everyone knew Debrinkit was on the market. 
and they couldn't get more for him. Does this not make you angry if you're a Chicago Blackhawks fan, Tim? What like, what are they doing pulling the trigger on this trade, getting absolutely nothing for this guy? And to make matters worse, you get theoretically they wanted to get in the top 10. That was the idea. That's that's what they said. Their number seven overall pick, the Chicago Blackhawks, they get a defenseman from the WHL, the Seattle Thunderbirds, Kevin Korchinski. He's okay. He's okay. They could have got him at 13. Everybody and their brother, all the scouts, all the talking heads, that guy would have been available at 13. He would have been available at 15. He would have been available at 17. They, for some reason, take him at number seven for no reason whatsoever. So the idea that they wanted to jump in the top 10 because they had a guy in mind, a guy who's going to you know impact their team, this guy would have been available at 13. So I, I don't understand this trade for Dabrinkit. I think you wait. You have him under control for another year. Wait until the trade deadline. He's going to be an RFA. You offer him a qualifying offer. They rushed it. They they took an offer that was outrageously low. I don't know. Any any comments on this, Tim? Well, yeah, they got that seventh overall pick, but it's it's not a particularly strong draft class. And so and even and even then they they reached for the guy that they liked, like you said. And I understand, like, people are kind of ripping the Blackhawks where it's like, you're, you're entering a rebuild. Why would you trade your 21-year-old center, Kirby Doc, and 24-year-old 40-goal scorer? And it's you can look at that at the surface level. You dig a little deeper. It's like, okay, Debrinket is their most valuable piece. He's only under contract for one more year. They know he's not part of the rebuild. So even though he's only 24, that's the piece that you end up having to trade. The problem is the return, like you said. It's just not worth what they, – he'd be worth more than what they got. And so that's the part that I, you know, I understand the Blackhawks friends are, are frustrated and confused. They don't really see a direction this is headed other than, as Mark Lazarus pointed out, a pretty blatant and obvious tank job for hoping for a top three pick. You know, Connor, McD- Connor Bedard, Bedard is coming down the pipe. But they have this three big kids, three big prospects. If they can lend them a top three, they'll be pretty good. But it's just you got to get more for Debrinket. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't. I, I can't believe that they – Unless there was someone like in division, the only better option was a competing, you know, uh, uh, another team in your division or something. Maybe, maybe, but still, it's it's strange to me. Well, this you touched on it. The reason they're doing this is because they want to be bad next year, and it's obvious. the The writing is on the wall. Maybe they had another offer for Debrinket. Maybe they didn't. They wanted to get him off of their roster, so they are a bad team next year. They're going for Bedard. If he's not available, you mentioned it. There's a couple other good players. Adam Fantilli from the USHL. He's he's a very good player. And there's this Russian guy who plays in the KHL, Matyev Mikov. Butchering that name, who cares? He's he's very, very good. He can buzz around the ice. He's a very gifted player. So if you can land one of those three players in Chicago's mind, maybe it's a gamble willing to take. You tank this year, you get a first-round pick, you get Connor Bedard, he changes your complete franchise forever. He's a new Patrick Kane. So that's the risk risk they're taking right now. By trading all of these guys, they have locked themselves up into a bottom three spot this year. They will be terrible. All right, let's let's get to the last trade. A guy we're going to talk to tomorrow, hopefully, if my wife doesn't have uh, the baby, friend of the show, Kirby Doc. He was nice enough to jump back on the show. I just want to ask him what the heck he's thinking. What, what happened in Chicago this year? Is he excited to go to Montreal? But We'll we'll get to that tomorrow when we talk to him. But yes, the Kirby Doc trade. This one, do you think they gave Kirby Doc enough time to grow in Chicago? He he obviously had the injury when he went to the World Juniors in 2021. That stunted his growth. He affected his his time in Chicago. 
do you think they didn't give him much of a chance? He, he played in 152 games over three seasons for Chicago. Didn't put up overwhelming numbers. 19 goals, 40 assists, 59 points. So, you know, a point every three games. Not reaching the expectations of a, of a number three pick. But again, coming back from injury, he had a really good, strong playoffs two years ago when they were in the bubble, when they took out Edmonton. You saw glimpses of what he could be, that strong power forward lugging the puck, really asserting himself and using his size. I don't know. Do you think Chicago should have gave him a longer look and they're kind of selling him low? Because they get a 13th overall pick. They get the 66th overall pick. I actually like this return for a Kirby Doc, for a guy who – you know, didn't pan out for a third over a pick, then you still get a, a pretty high end first rounder and a second or a third rounder, excuse me. I don't know. What do you think? Did they, did they sell too quickly on the Kirby doc? This one makes a little more sense to me in terms of the return. And yeah, like again, 21 years old, why would you try to play like that if you're trying to rebuild, but he's not under contract anymore. They're going to have to trade him. He's going to look for a new deal. He's going to want a little more. So I think, yeah, I think benefiting from a fresh start would be good for him, but it's strange just because you did see glimpses of how good he could be. And even though he only played 150 games and he missed time with injury with that junior's injury, but he also like, it takes time to build back into game speed. It takes, he was playing through stuff for a while. He wasn't at a hundred percent. You didn't really get to see, very much of Kirby Doc in Chicago at 100%, and especially not playing in a top six role. You know, he was playing in the bottom six for a lot of that time. So I do think he'll be a, a good player uh, for Montreal. I could see him still being a top six forward. I don't think he's a superstar in the making, but I think he could be a really, really solid player for them. I agree. I think he will have time to go on Montreal. He'll, he'll, he'll be able to play behind some decent centermen. Nick Suzuki, obviously, is locked in as a first-line center. We'll see what happens with Christian Dvorak. There's been people throwing his name around as potential trade targets. But if you can slot him in on a third-line center role, let him play with a Druan, a Gallagher, an Anderson, if he's still around. I think there still are moves to be made in Montreal. But you, if you look at their centermen, all of a sudden, Montreal is pretty strong down the middle. I don't love Nick Suzuki as a first-line centerman. I don't think he has the size or wherewithal to take on that responsibility of everything that entails a first-line centerman. But, you know, he's a good player. He's shown he can put up points. And Kirby can fit in well there. I think you can put a decent third or second line winger with him, and he'll be able to produce. I, I don't mind. Again, we, we said this last year. I don't mind Montreal's forwards. I think they have a lot of good, solid forwards. And you add Kirby Doc to the mix. It only helps that team. But Chicago, yes, they get the 13th overall pick. I think they made a good pick here. They pick up Frank Nazar from the USA, USA under 18 team. He's a good player. Creative. You know, has a good ability to find his teammates. I think he will make up for what Kirby Doc wasn't. He's a playmaker. They haven't had that since Panarin left. A guy who can really go and create space, dish the puck, give it to a person, you know, in the right spot at the right time so they can, you know, score. That's that's the idea of the game. So he he is that type of player. We'll see how he pans out in Chicago when he's playing. If Patrick Kane's not there and this guy makes a jump, who's he going to who's he going to pass to? I don't know. Their, their their line combination in Chicago is just awful right now. It's laughable what they're going to ice next year. You bring in Seth Jones, you sign him to this big albatross of a deal. What do you do with Seth Jones? Seth Jones now. You brought this guy in to be your horse on the back end. You sign him to $9.5 million. Now you're going to go in tank mode for the next three, four years. It just, it doesn't make sense. I feel like they went for it last year. You get Flurry, you get Jones, you bring in some other pieces up front. Everybody's excited. It doesn't go well and you just sell everything. 
It's like, oh, uh, never mind. 180. We're going the other way. We're going to suck now for a few years. Sorry, Seth. <laughs> You're locked into this team. And Seth's like, what am I doing here? What are we doing? Do you think they could trade him if they include like like a couple firsts or something? Or is it 100% not a movable contract no matter what? Well, I don't think it's 100% unmovable, but he makes $9.5 million for seven years. Yeah. That's a big, big contract. And he's 27 years old. And Seth Jones, he's a very good defenseman. And we talked about this when he signed his contract. He doesn't put up incredible amounts of points. He's a good defenseman. He can quarterback the power play. He can, you know, he, he has a good first pass. His career high in goals in one year is 16, and that was six years ago. The last five years, he's got nine, six, five, and five. Sorry, the last four years. He's not lighting the world on fire with goals. Do you want your defenseman who makes $9.5 million not being able to quarterback the power play and really be an offensive threat out there? Like You want to kill McCarr. You want an Adam Fox. You want a Roman Yossi. You want a Victor Hedman. Those are the guys I want who are making 9.5. I don't want a Darnell Nurse. I don't want a Seth Jones, who is very good defensively and can chip in offensively sometimes. I want a dynamic defenseman who's going to put up points. I'd rather have a Quinn Hughes, the guy who really struggles on the back end, over a Seth Jones if I'm paying him that much money. Like that, no, no, no. So it's a very hard contract to move. It's it's a very difficult. And we said that when they signed them. Okay, he's a good defenseman, but when you really dig into the numbers. Maybe he's not that good. All right, another strange thing to come out of Chicago. And then I got a couple more things. Then we'll move on from Chicago. But they really have had quite a couple weeks, Tim. It's it's been it's amazing. It's it's been a lot, and it's going to get worse once like free agency starts tomorrow. The fireworks are just beginning. It's it's gonna be crazy. Another strange thing qualifying offers are being extended. And qualifying offers means a team will offer that player the lowest possible amount they can offer. They're going to extend a qualifying offer. The player accepts it. The player doesn't accept it. If the player does not accept it, then they go to arbitration. That's, that's all that happens. Not a big deal. Then the player and the team, they go to a third party. The third party looks over the stats. They look over the market and they say, this is what you have to pay this player. And the team either accepts it and they walk away and nothing happens or they sign. The player has no other power once he enters into arbitration. And if a team doesn't accept it, that dollar amount, a team, other team has to sign that dollar amount. So that's that's what a qualifying offer means. It's very simple. Usually teams do this because they get their players locked up. The Chicago Blackhawks, they turned some heads. They did not extend qualifying offers to Kublik and Strom. Now, Dylan Strom is a player who's been around the block and then some. He's, you know, he's a very polarizing player. His ceiling when he came into the league was sky high. He was a high draft pick. Players, teams expected him to just be a first line, lock it in. This guy's going to be a stud for years to come. It never panned out, but he found a spot in Chicago. He's 25 years old now. He, he put up a career year last year. He had 22 goals, 26 points, 48, 48 points, excuse me, in 69 games. He had a really good season. For his standings, he, he struggled in Arizona when he came in. What what when was he drafted in Arizona, Tim? He was drafted 2016, 15, third overall. Yeah. So he was a very high pick. He came in, didn't really find his footing with Arizona. I was there when he was there. I thought he was a very good player, but 
at that time, it was tough. We had a lot of young players. He didn't really fit in. And the Arizona moved on from him, shipped him off to Chicago. He played well in Chicago. I, th- I think in his four years in Chicago, he's done pretty well. He got 51 points his first year, 38 the second, 17 last year, or two years ago, 48 last year. All in all, in four seasons with Chicago, he's played pretty well. Why would they walk away from this guy? He's a restricted free agent. This is his last year. You can get him locked up for a long term for a good number. You can throw him on the second or third line and just leave him be. I don't understand why you don't throw a qualifying offer at this guy. He played on your first line last year. He was productive. Anyway, Chicago, for some reason, doesn't throw a qualifying offer at him. He will now be an unrestricted free agent at the age of 25, able to sign with anybody. Dominic Kublik. This guy was your star. You were going to build around him three years ago. He scored 30 goals for you. You played him with Patty Kane. He was out of this world. Went to the bubble, lit up the bubble, had eight points in nine games. He was a very good player. Everybody was excited in Chicago. You picked him up from the Czech Republic. He's a good player. Two years ago, eh, a little bit of a dip, 38 points in 56 games. Last year, I don't know what happened with him. Not the same player. 32 points, 78 games. You gave him a decent deal as Chicago. You're paying him 3.7 a year. Maybe he wants to have that same deal or more. Chicago said, I'm done. They're cutting bait. They're not going to offer him a qualifying offer. They're losing complete control over him. He's a good hockey player. He will sign somewhere and he will make decent money and he will be a good hockey player. These are two players. These are NHL caliber players that Chicago is just walking away from. I don't get it. I don't get it, Tim. I don't understand this. They're not from my do. investigation. They didn't even offer him contracts. They just let him walk. They didn't even try to lowball him. They did not even try to keep him at all. Lowball these guys. See what they say. If they accept, throw them on the third line. This is a very good third line. You're passing up. You put Kublik on the left wing. You put Strom on the right wing or center. He plays both. And that's your third line. I don't get it, but they let him walk. Why would they let him walk to him? Tell me, answer, answer this question. Make it, make it make sense for me. You already said it, John, they want to be a bad team. And those two guys make their team better. And not only that, you, you tie up some money that you don't have available to some of the younger guys. So yeah, this one, it, this one made more sense to me, especially given that the trade that already happened is like, you can see the clear direction this franchise is going and adding these two guys back to your roster doesn't help your, your taste for tanking for those three prospects we just mentioned. So they'll move on. Dylan Strom had like, you know, we talked about what it is, 48 points last year or something like that. But it, most of the points happened in the second half. He really turned it on in the second half and he, he got some momentum going. He'll sign somewhere. And I think if he can get a lead top six role, like a second line center somewhere and have a decent winger, I think he could be not a point per game guy, but maybe like between 50 and 60 points in the right situation. So I like him as a player. I think hopefully he, he takes another step in his career and, and they do better in Chicago, does worse. He reminds me of a Benoit Pouliot. Very skilled player, great hands, mm-hmm. Has a hard time putting in the extra effort. And I know Pooley, I played with him, friend of mine. Didn't maybe apply himself as much as he could have, but his skills made up for that. But you saw it in Boston when he went to Boston and they put him in a good position. He, he played very well. And so I, I see Strom fitting into that same spot where maybe I, I think he slots in as a third line guy, second power play unit. I think that's the perfect role for him. Give him 10 to 12 minutes. Throw him on that power play. The guy will put up 40, 50 points a year. I, I think that's a good, good spot for him. And then it just got, I saw a tweet about uh, Chicago 
and why they're in this spot. <clears throat> it's because they, <clears throat> excuse me, Tim. When you go back and you look at Chicago's draft history and you look at other teams' draft history, you look at the, at the Avalanche per se or the Lightning or other good teams, <clears throat> they have the ability to find talent in every round of the draft. Not only the first round, the second, the third, the fourth, they, they find value everywhere. And the reason Chicago is in this position to sell off and try to reboot everything and rebuild and tank is because they have no good young players, none whatsoever. When you look at their lineup, when you look at the team they're going to ice next year, it's absolutely terrible. The only guys that they drafted that have any salt that are decent are Kane and Taves. And those guys got drafted over a decade ago. Every other player that they've drafted that's still on their team, eh, the young guy, Lucas Raquel, eh, Alex Vlasic, eh, you know, they're not, they don't have a, a plethora of young players that they have drafted who are making an impact on their team. <clears throat> and let's just go down their draft picks. This is, this is Stan Bowman, a guy who has won three Stanley Cups. He was pegged to be the head of USA Hockey. I believe he won GM of the year one year. This is his this is his history with Chicago. This is why they are so bad right now. So incredibly bad. This is every one of his first round draft picks for his tenure that he was there. And yes, he traded a few first rounders away. He didn't have one in 2015, didn't have one in 2016. 2010 with his first round draft pick. Kevin Hayes. Didn't even want to sign with the team. Declined to sign. 2011, Deneau and McNeil. McNeil was a complete bust. Deneau, they traded away. Deneau turned out to be a pretty good player, hasn't he, Tim? Sure has. The one good player he drafted, he traded away. 2012, Tuevo Teravainen. Had to trade him because of a terrible Bickle signing. Tuevo's turned into a pretty good player. Hasn't he, Tim? He's amazing. He's very, very good. Very underrated player for Carolina Hurricanes. I say all the time, I think he's one of their top players. Another, another good player. Ryan Hartman, 2013. Do they keep him? They didn't. They traded him, too. He'd be a good second-line centerman. 2014, Nick Schmaltz, decent player. Traded him traded. away. 2017, Joe Kaharu. No idea where he is. or uh, What's his deal? I don't even know, but he was traded. 2018, Boakfast. Where's he at? Traded. Traded to Columbus. Anthony Baudouin. Bust. 2019, third overall pick, Kirby Doc. Where's he at? he was traded to Montreal so this is Stan Bowman's legacy every one of his draft picks some good players in there not great some good players trade traded them all away and yes I know you have to maybe mortgage your future to win a Stanley Cup all these trades were done after a lot of them were done after the Stanley Cup success so he was still pushing for those cups in years when he had no business pushing for those cups there's nobody left in the cupboard for them to pull from all their first-round picks are gone. They traded away a lot of their second-round picks. They have nothing left in Chicago. Their farm teams are garbage. Their prospects are not there. They don't have any draft picks. This is why they're in the position where they're at. And it's all because of Stan Bowman. He mortgaged the future. I get that. But he didn't do a good job of restocking. He didn't do a good job of setting this team up for a success. And I'm not blaming Stan Bowman. I'm just showing you why Chicago is where they're at. They tried to push it for too long. They tried to make something out of nothing when they had no business competing. 
trading Schmaltz, trading Hartman, trading Toyvan, and trading all these first round draft picks, trying to let's bring Sharpie back in. Let's bring all these guys back in and make another run at the cup. It wasn't there, Chicago. And now you're reaping what you sowed. They are in trouble this year. They're going to get a first high first round draft pick. We'll see if they can make anything of it. If recent picks count for anything, I don't trust the Chicago scouts. I don't trust them making the right choice and pulling the trigger and getting a guy in there who can be a really impactful player and change this franchise. Unless they get the number one overall, then it's Connor Bedard. But boy, if I'm Patrick Kane, I'm Jonathan Taves. I'm furious. I want out. And I want out yesterday because Chicago, it's not going to be fun to be there for the next two, three, four years, Tim. It really is. Anything else in the Chicago you want to touch on or should we move on to some other signings? No, only to say that, you know, we mentioned at the top that Patrick Kane was rumored to reported to be asking for a trade. I'm really keeping an eye on these guys for the next 48 hours. And I want to see the next time he speaks to the media, whether it's us or someone else, what he says. And it'll be one of those things where he won't say what he really thinks. We have to read between the lines. And I just can't wait for that. Where do you think he goes? Where's a good spot? I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but Patrick Kane, a high-end player, gets you lock him in for 100 points a year, makes your first-line center, first-line left wing that much better. We saw what he can do with any any winger you put next to him. Where does he go that excites you? Anything on the top of your head where you can say, oh, I'd love to see Patrick go here? I would love to see Patrick go to the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, I don't know that he will, but you know, they're not, they're not uh, divisional rivals or any, anything anymore. But I also think it depends on how much cap the the uh, Blackhawks are willing to eat because one of the, the names that got thrown around was uh, Colorado. If they can eat some of Kane's <laughs> cap, and he's also got only one more year, so you know he he'll sign for less money in his next deal. So, yeah, those would be two teams I keep an eye on. Detroit would be fun. I I, I don't know. He's got a very good no move clause. Patrick does, so he kind of controls where he wants to go. But if he does get traded, it'll be seismic. It'll be epic. I'm excited for that. All right, let's let's talk about some signings that happened before the free agent period opens up tomorrow. Some big names got pulled off the market right at the last second. Nashville Predators locked up their best player, Philippe Forsberg. They've been going back and forth for a long time on turn, on dollar amount. How much is he going to sign for? Obviously, players want the longest term possible. They finally landed on eight years, $8.5 million dollars. I think he could have got a higher dollar amount for a lesser term, but he wanted the security eight years. Nashville locks him up. He is this, he is their guy. He is the new Shea Weber of Nashville. They have hitched their cart to his horse. What do you think about this signing Tim? I like it. Honestly, like I know it's a lot of money and a lot of term, but I think he's one of those guys that it will be worth it. Uh, And the big thing is like, I think you know what he's going to give you, but we saw um, Duchenne have, and, and Johansson have like career years last year, and those centers, will they be able to repeat it? Will they be able to keep some of those core guys together in the future? I don't know. I don't see Nashville being a team that's really considered a, a strong contender in the next couple of years, but I think Forsberg contract won't hurt them. And again, as the cap continues to go up, and if he's producing like he has, especially coming off a career year last season, I think if they need to move him down the line, it won't be a horrible contract. So I'm I'm fine with that. You know, I always go back to, are we going to win the Stanley Cup? Are we going to win the Stanley Cup? What are we doing here? Does this help us win a Stanley Cup? Do we see ourselves making a push next year? And I like what Nashville has done this offseason. They bring in Ryan McDonough, a proven commodity. This guy will change their defense. They got Yossi. They got McDonough. They got Ekholm. They got a couple other young, nice pieces. I like Borowicki back there. 
And they have some good forwards up front. I think you have to keep Philippe Forsberg. I like the number they signed him for. Yes, I would have liked them to sign him maybe for a six-year term. He's 27 years old, so let's put some puts him to 35. That's a big number. At first, I was a little shocked, 8.5, and I started to dig into Philippe Forsberg a little bit more. The guy's a bona fide star. He's a very good hockey player. He's never really had a down season. I, I think he will be a good player for Nashville going forward. I think Nashville is going to be a sneaky good team next year. We saw what they did last year. They didn't really put a scare in Colorado like they thought they were in the first round. I thought they would give them a little bit more of a fight. But I don't mind, I don't mind their team. They got a little bit more money to spend. Maybe they can go out and, and cobble together another first-line guy to put in those top two lines. They have about $10 million to throw around. So if they can get another high-end score to put in those top two lines, I think that was their biggest issue this year. They didn't have a lot of scoring. Yes, they had Duchesne. He bounced back. They have Granlin and Forsberg. If you can get someone to pair with Ryan Johansson in that second line and maybe drop down one of those two wingers, Tomasino or Tolovainen, that makes Nashville a very dangerous team. They they check, they skate, they're hard to play against. They have a good third and fourth line. That's why everybody thought they were going to give Colorado fits because they were just going to check them. They're going to check them through the boards. They're going to outwork them. It's because of that third and fourth line. If they can go out and get one more score, there's a lot out there, Tim. There's a lot of guys on the market who can who can put the puck in the net. Don't don't sleep on Nashville. It's a very desirable place to play. People love Nashville. People love the strip. People love playing in that area. It's a very fun atmosphere. I don't know. I like I usually I hate big dollar signings. Usually this they rub me the wrong way. And I fought that urge this time. I don't mind this signing. I don't mind it at all. I like it. I think it's it's a good term. It's a good dollar amount for the market. I think he would have gotten more if he would have went to free agency. So I I, I like it. I like it a lot. All right. What other signings are we talking about, Tim? Yeah, I think the next one you're not going to love as much. Vladimir Nutrushka is a big name we were keeping an eye on. Uh, obviously, had a pretty good little run with with Colorado there and scored some big goals. Not huge numbers if you look at his playoff total, but it was the, it was the moment, and he, he seemed to elevate his game and when it mattered most. So, big important player uh, seems hopefully you know is kind of finally living up to his potential, and he just signed an, an eight year deal at six point one two five, staying in Colorado. John, what did you think when you saw this come across the tape? It's surprising. I, uh, and this is my honest gut reaction to this. I feel like he could have gotten more on the open market. I feel like Colorado did it again. Joe Sackick somehow talked to this guy. He sold him on Colorado. I think Nishuskin goes to free agency tomorrow. He gets seven and a half for seven you years. You think so? I do. I think teams are all in on him. They're drinking the Kool-Aid. They saw what he can do in the playoffs. He was arguably their best player. And that says a lot when you have McKinnon and McCarr on your team. He was just as impactful, even playing on that bum foot that everybody saw the picture of, the big bruise, wham, 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 let's show the picture. Didn't really care for that. On a team with that many stars, he stood out. He was very noticeable. And I think teams, they have a very short, short memory when you're a GM. You're like, oh, my gosh, that guy won that team in the Stanley Cup. He was so good. Someone would have gave him 7.5 or 7. But I think Joe Sackick, he said, listen, he sat him down. Do you really want to go somewhere else to a rebuilding team? Because a lot of teams that have a lot of money, they're not really at the same point that we're at right now. You can go, you can go get more money elsewhere, or you can stay here. You can compete for a Stanley Cup year after year after year for the entirety of your contract. Oh, and by the way, you get to play with Landis Gaga McKinnon next year. 
you get to play with two of the best players in the NHL. You get to play with arguably the best player, Nathan McKinnon. Oh, and on the back end there, Kale McCarr and Devin Taves, they'll be out with you 80% of the time. So you're going to be out there with potentially three future Hall of Famers and Devin Taves, who's a pretty good player. You want to do that, Valerie? Does that sound good to you? Do you want to sign this paper here for maybe a little bit less and you can go home back to Russia in 10 years and you'll have three or four rings on your finger and you'll be thought of as one of the greatest Russian hockey players ever because you're going to score a ton of points because you get to play with those two absolute studs and I'm going to put you on the first power play unit. Does that sound good to you? Does that sound like fun, Valerie? And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. So I don't mind this deal at all. This is two for two where I'm just shocked at myself. I think it's a good, good number for Colorado. I think this guy plays himself into a very high-end player in the NHL. He hasn't proven it yet. I think he got a taste of really dominating in the playoffs last year. It wouldn't surprise me if he's top 10 in scoring next year. It wouldn't surprise me at all. You don't like the steal, Tim? No, I don't. Because it, you gave him probably maybe slightly less than he might get on the open market. But I don't think he's. I don't think he get much more than that's six and a half. And you, you don't get any, usually you try to bring the AAV down by giving them term. They gave him a high AAV and a long term. Those usually don't work out, especially for a player who's, who's uh, stint as a high impact player. with such a small sample size. We haven't seen what he can do over the course of three, four seasons, not, not on a high level. So I don't think this is going to age well. That all said, he does seem to gel with these guys, Colorado. They've got some margin for error. You know, they've got a decent cap situation. If, if he ends up being settling down into a third line role, who steps up in the playoffs a little bit and he's not, he's not worth the money, but still can do a little bit. They're good enough. That roster is good enough that they'll, they'll be fine. It's not going to, it's not going to hurt their chances, but yeah, I don't see this contract being worth it down the stretch. I, I we're going to put a little bet on this because I think this time next year, when we're talking about free agency and we're looking back at great signings, this will be a good signing. I think he's a top 10 scorer. I think he gets 85, top 90 10? points in the league. <clears throat> I would yeah. say I would be, well, I wouldn't say surprised, but I would say the the number to, would be 50. If he can get over less, more or less than 50 points. Are you crazy? Tim, Tim, he gets to play with McKinnon Landeskog every single night. And he's going to be on the first power play unit. 50, Tim. What did he get this year? I think he was a point per over a point per game guy. I think he had 62 this year in a shortened season because he was injured. 52 and 62. So that's yeah. what I, but he's also playing in a contract season and a team that had everything go right this year. It's just, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think he gets maybe less than 50, but he's not 80 points, top 10 in scoring. John, come on. I said 90 points. Oh, <laughs> McKinnon think, doesn't even get 90 points every year. I think he puts up 90 points. And I think he's a top 10 scorer. I think he's going to get 30 to 40 points in the power play. And he's going to get a 40 <laughs> to 50, five on five. He's going to Colorado will be another juggernaut next year. They will be a wagon. You watch that team. They're going to be fantastic. I don't see the West getting that much stronger so far. I know there's free agency to come, but based on the trades we've seen, based on the action we've seen, San Jose has been quiet. LA has done a little bit of moving around, but Anaheim hasn't really done much. Vancouver, are they going to be better or worse? Edmonton hasn't done anything. They're going to lose Evander Kane. Calgary, could they potentially lose Kachuk and Goudreau? I don't see teams like Dallas won't be as good. They will have easy matchups throughout the lineup. Arizona, I want to touch on Arizona, their whole rink fiasco. They they play 22 of their first 22, 25 games on the road. 
What is Gary Bettman doing? What a complete just joke Arizona has become. It's an absolute a clown show over there. Absolutely have just embarrassing. Almost none of their home games are on Saturday night. Like One Saturday crazy. night game, and it's during the Christmas break when no one's going to want to go to the game. It's, it's a and here's the reason joke. why. It's because of the, the college team. They're yeah. getting they're getting second tier to the Arizona State. It's just it's oh insane. I know because they're not an NHL team. The Coyotes. It's as, as pains me as it much to say this. It's just they're second billing to an NCAA team. That's not even a top twenty NCAA team. It's just and here's this kicker. They can't even sell all of their tickets. They're bragging because oh we we've already sold eighty percent of our season tickets. You only are allotting. 3,500 season tickets. If you can't sell 80% of 3,500, what, what are we doing here? Like you should be able to sell your season tickets like that. If they're 35, if there's only 3,500 of them, like that's, and they're bragging. Oh, season tickets are almost, they should have been sold up before you switched your rink. You should have 10,000 season ticket holders. Cause they, uh, it does, it's and they're like we're gonna make more money this year. Yeah, because you made nothing last year. You guys were an epic failure. All right, one more signing. We'll talk about this one was a head scratcher for me, Tim. Ricard Raquel signs with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Five years, five million dollars. What? What? Okay. Ron Hextall has offered Yvetting Malkin. Maximum of two years from what I've heard. He won't go longer than that. Malkin wants four. He wants to stay in Pittsburgh. I guess the term has been $6 million. Is that what I heard? Maybe a little less. There's been varying numbers being thrown around. If I'm the Pittsburgh Penguins and I want to sign one player, who do you want to sign? Do you want to sign a guy who has been a league MVP, who has been just one of the best players in the NHL for the last 12 years since he came into the league at 18 years of age. A guy who has won you multiple Stanley Cups. A guy who wants to stay in Pittsburgh. Or do I sign a guy who is a good player? He's bounced around the league his entire career. He's, he's been to Anaheim. He's, oh, he hasn't bounced around the league. Sorry, he's been to Anaheim and Pittsburgh. It feels like he's bounced around a lot. His high point total in the NHL is 69 points, and that was six years ago. He's gotten 42 points three years ago, 28 points two years ago, 28 points last year. And you sign him five years, $5 million. What, what, why are we doing this? He's not a first line player. He's not going to make your team better. You're going to slot him into the second line with Zucker and Carter, and it'll be a decent second line. Or do I want to try to keep Evgeny Malkin and maybe slot him in that spot, have Zucker, Carter, and Malkin? I don't understand GM sometimes. Is this just pride? Ron, Ron Hexall just won't get off the number that he thinks that he should sign Malkin for. Then he just digs the nail in and says, I'm going to sign Ricard Raquel to a just insane contract. Or do you, do you think this is a good deal? I, I don't get this contract. $5 million for five years for a guy who is, is not that player. He's a third line guy, Ricard Raquel. Uh, yeah, no, I don't like this too. I do like the player. I think he's pretty good. And I think he could do well in Pittsburgh. You know, we've seen a lot of guys that were 
second, third line players who will have career years playing with Crosby and or Malkin. And we've seen it plenty. I mean, Evan Rodriguez last year was a point per game guy down the stretch for a while. So let's we've seen it plenty of times. Go down, go back 10, 15 years. So I think he'll, he'll he probably will play pretty well. I could see him scoring 20 goals and, and you know, maybe 50 points, something like that. He'll be fine. But is he worth this? Is he worth this term, this money? No. That all said, I did see and I didn't do the math myself, but Pierre Lebrun did say that when Raquel signed, it wasn't mutually exclusive to Malkin signing. They had room to make them both work. It was just still about Malkin in his term. So it wasn't like choosing him over Malkin, but it's still it's still a bit of a head scratcher. But what it does, it, it mentally makes Malkin check out. How am I not a priority here? How are you signing him before me? How are you signing? And I get Latang, but he's like, if, I, if, if I'm your star guy, I've done all this stuff for your franchise. He even said it himself. I'm a legacy player. I should be treated as such. And they're not treating me as such. They're, they're offering me low-term, low-ball deals. And it just seems like it's, it's insulting. And then you go out and you side, sign this guy for a high number for a term that I want. I don't know. I don't know. And I, I, I get that he's 35. It just, it, it's not a good look. So he's, he's walking. I think his, his day is done. This was the nail in the coffin. There's no way he goes back to Pittsburgh. He's going to get the open market tomorrow and he will fetch a pretty high number and a team will be very happy with him because he will be motivated. And what I've said throughout this show, when we talk about Yevgeny Malkin, you do not want to see a motivated Malkin if you're opposing him because he is a very good player. And I am, I feel bad for when he goes back to Pittsburgh and he plays those guys because he will hurt everybody. He is a big dude he can hit and he will be in a bad mood when he steps in that rink. <clears throat> and I don't, I, I don't want to see it. It's going to be very dangerous. Sorry, Tim. DoorDash. I love DoorDash. I do. It's a bad segue today. I really don't know what to do. My wife's pregnant. She's going to have the baby any second. Who do you think is going to cook all the food when she's uh, on the mend nursing that baby? You. you think it's going to be me, Tim? You think it's going to be me? Nope. Not a chance. No, I, I don't know how to cook. I wish I did. I'm not, I'm not like you. So I will use DoorDash. For breakfast, lunch, and dinner, the kids will love it. I'll love it. My wife will hate it, but that's what we're going to do. And I'm going to get a good deal because DoorDash is a great company. We Listen, I've set it up and down. It's a good company. We're not going to push a bad company on you guys. So use DoorDash. Use our promo codes. GlovesDDUS if you're in the US of A. GlovesDD if you're in Canada. You get 25% off. You get free delivery. It's a no-brainer. They're the best at what they do. We love them. They love us. So please use our promo code when you use them. It helps us out a lot and you get good food and you get it from a very good company, DoorDash. All right. There were some trades. The big elephant in the room for the longest time was goaltending. The two teams that did not have goaltenders, Toronto Maple Leafs, Edmonton Oilers. Everybody had a bell. Everybody got a partner to dance with. Everybody made a decent trade. Banachek got traded. Um, Who else got traded, Tim? There was three goalies that got gobbled up, Gorgiev and then somebody else. Teams filled vacancies. The two teams arguably going into this offseason that needed goaltending help the most, the Edmonton Oilers, Mike Smith, done, LTIR, never going to play a game in the NHL. Jack Campbell, asking too much for in Toronto. Edmonton and Toronto have not done anything until now. Matt Murray, the Ottawa Senators goaltender. They got him from Pittsburgh, supposed to be a game changer, came over to Ottawa, did not play well. Sent him down to Belleville, tried to figure out his game. Didn't really work. Came on last year and played well at the end of the season. Had a good save percentage. Really pushed Ottawa towards the end. They turned into a pretty decent team. He gets traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
Ottawa eats some of his contract. Toronto has to pick up 4.6. He's under contract for two more years. What did you think of this deal, Tim? I always love hearing your, your insight on these because I, I have my initial reaction and then you kind of bring me down to earth. What did you think of this? Trade? Problem solved, John. The Toronto Maple Leafs have found their guy. They have finally added the last piece of the puzzle and they were going to go on a stretch where they win multiple cups in a row. Now they've finally done it. Good for them. Are you BSing me? Yeah, this, this is a head scratcher. First of all, I assume this means Jack Campbell's out, right? Oh, of course, and then, yeah. And then Mrazic, I think his Mrazic is better than Matt Murray at this point in his career. And they traded away Mrazic so they could bring in a worse goalie for more money. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I get that maybe like, you know, skill aside, sometimes guys just need a fresh start or whatever. And so maybe Murray kind of turns it on. He had a decent year in Ottawa, his best in Ottawa, best since probably winning the cup. Um, but not a great season. His goal against was just above three, save percentage just above 900. So it's not like he, he lit the world on fire. So I don't get it. I don't get it. And I, 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 yeah, does this mean, are they done now? This is the move they made and now they're, this is their team th- th- next year? I think so. Like, w- what else can they do? They don't have very much cap space. They had one position that they needed to upgrade or not really upgrade, just, just to fill Jack Campbell, the goaltending position. And they bring in Matt Murray. Yes, they have a little bit of money to spend, but you also have next year, and you have to, you have a lot of guys who are going to be UFAs and a lot of guys who you want to bring back. So you you have to plan for next year. You can't just go out and spend all your money and just not worry about future planning. So there is that to think about. They still have six million dollars to spend, so they could potentially bring in another goaltender, another player, make some more moves in this offseason. So I don't think Toronto is completely done. I think they're done in the goaltending position. I don't know what else they can do. Matt Murray makes four, four and a half million dollars this year. Toronto pays him. Does this make you a better team? Is he going to be better than Jack Campbell next year? No, no, he's not. I, I don't know why they make this move. It doesn't make sense to me. You're, you're helping Ottawa out by getting them out from under his contract. Now Ottawa has carte blanche. They're going to go after Claude Giroux. They got to Brinkett. They're going after Claude Giroux. They got out for Matt Murray. Now Ottawa is all of a sudden looking like a pretty good contender. You're helping out a direct competition in your division. So I don't, I don't get this. I know Matt Murray has some history with the coaches. He played with both of these guys back in juniors when they were in the Sioux, with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. So he knows Dubas. He knows Sheldon Keith. Maybe that's why they feel comfortable bringing him in. <sighs> Matt Murray hasn't been good in three years. He he's not the same goalie he was when he won those Stanley Cups with Pittsburgh when he came into the league and everybody was just, who cares about Marc-Andre Fleury? We got Matt Murray now. He's a different goaltender. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's going to try to resurrect his career. He's got the same goaltender coach he had with Sue. It's like it's like a homecoming for all these guys. They're, they're very familiar with each other. So maybe Matt reverts back to his, his self that he was in Pittsburgh and, and he's a good goaltender again. But I just don't see it. I don't think you can bank – a Stanley Cup caliber team, a team that came inches away from getting past the Tampa Bay Lightning and potentially making it to the Stanley Cup on a guy who's been subpar the last three years in a position where you need to have someone that you know is going to save the puck on a reliable term. I don't think Matt Murray's that guy, Tim. I really don't. 
No, especially like we said, like Georgia got traded. Billy Huso got traded from St. Louis. Vanacek from Washington. Like, why couldn't they get one of those guys? Not to mention Darcy Kemper's available. And the guy that you have, uh, Jack Campbell, is better than this guy. Yeah. And so as as a Leafs hater, not a hater, but a guy that likes to laugh at him, like, this is funny. This is great. But, yeah, it's you know what's going to happen? He's going to play pretty well during the regular season he's going to play not great but he's going to play pretty well and then he's going to let in some beach balls in the first round of the playoffs and they're going to lose again well it's easy to play pretty well for toronto it's easy to play pretty well it's just like uh, darcy kemper it's easy to play goaltender for a team this good you're going to have a good record i don't care how bad of a goaltender you are if you go and play for toronto you're going to put up good numbers for as much as i make fun of their defense for as much as i make fun of toronto Morgan O'Reilly's Morgan Riley's good. Jake Muzzin's good. TJ Brody's good. They like Mark Giordano's good. They have good defense. And what makes them even better is they're so gifted offensively that they don't have to play much defense. They spend so much time in the other team's zone. They, they don't spend much time in their own zone. So any goalie they get will put up decent numbers. So Matt Murray will put up decent numbers, but yeah, like you said, the playoffs will come. The competition will change. Things will get a little harder. And next thing you know, well, maybe we're not as good as we thought we were. Oopsie. Matt Murray, you're, you still stink, so I don't. I don't like the signing. I don't like it at all. All right, let's let's do some points bet quick hits, Tim. And there's a lot of quick hit quick hits we got. Yeah, there's plenty. So we touched on Malkin again. Um, he's officially headed to the market for the first time in his career. He never got the four year offer from from Pittsburgh. It wasn't on the table. Uh, no, really, rumors yet. It's only broken the last twenty four hours. We don't know where he's going to end up. Uh, there's some chatter, really just speculation that he could link up with Tampa, play with Kucherov and play with those guys. But Malkin is still so effective and he's not that old yet. He's he's old, but he's not old though. He's not in the in the realm of like the Perrys and the Marlows and the Thornton, those guys that signed for close to veteran minimum just for a chance, right? He's still a guy who wants to make his money and, and be the guy somewhere. Am I correct in assuming that? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I I know it would be beautiful to have him go to Tampa Bay and skate with Kucherov. Tampa has zero cap space. They're, they, they, none. They are over the cap right now as it stands today. So they won't be making any high-end signings. They, they still are trying to figure out a way to shoehorn Palat in, into their team next year. So I don't see them going out and making a splash and, and paying Evgeny Malkin. Teams that I, I, I think will be in on him, Minnesota Wild, I said it here before, the Detroit Red Wings, I think they'll be in on him. Anaheim Ducks, I think they might be in on him. There's a lot of teams that have a, a sneaky amount of money, the Ottawa Senators all of a sudden retooling their team, you put him on that team. I don't think Malkin wants to go to any of those destinations, but there will be a decent list of suitors for him. And gosh, he will be an impact player. Like I said, the Carolina Hurricanes, potentially, Tim, don't look now. They, they could maybe be in on the Evgeny Malkin, but it's going to be exciting. I'm excited to see him hit the open market, see where he goes. All right. Speaking of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Pilat, I don't think they're going to come up with a deal. Where do you, where do you like Pilat headed, Tim? Yeah, I don't know. He's another guy that I, I I love him as a player. I get nervous about the idea of like hitching my wagon to him. I don't know if he's the guy anywhere. So I, I would want him on a team where he doesn't have to be, you know, front and center. He's still a complimentary scorer who maybe sneaks under the radar a little bit. I could see Carolina picking him up. They could use that that top six wing scoring winger, especially with that the playoff experience, which is what they lack. But Really, it's speculation that he could still potentially return to Tampa Bay. He wants to be there. They want him there. It's just a matter of dollars and cents. And if they can, you know, swing some cap space, they'll bring him back. But most likely, he's going to sign somewhere else. 
Yeah, speaking of Carolina, they're actually kicking the tires on a few defensemen right now. They let Tony Delangelo walk. He was their 1A power play guy. He was the guy who quarterbacked everything. He took over from Dougie Hamilton. He did a great job. Tony's gone. Tony went to Philadelphia. They need someone to work that power play. They need somebody to be that guy, to be the puck mover, to be the guy that can just say, okay, go go and give our great forwards the puck. Give it to Teravine and give it to Aho. Give it to all these guys. They've been kicking some tires and some bets, Tim. Some, some players I would not expect. Jeff Petrie in Montreal, his name's been floated around for years. Montreal has not wanted to relinquish him. And Brent Burns, the old San Jose Shark, a guy who, when he's on, he's a very good offensively gifted defenseman. He's getting a little long in the tooth, a little gray in the beard, but he's been kicking the tires by the Hurricanes. What do you think? Do you think that's any of these possibilities are going to come to fruition here for the Carolina Hurricanes? I, I could see either of them ending up there, but I still don't understand why they let D'Angelo go in the first place. Like, I, I don't, was he just asking for too much upon resigning or is it the, you know, he's got a re- little bit of a reputation of a, being a polarizing personality. So, but he was a good player and he did really well for them. And he seemed to be a guy that if he's in your locker room, he's on your side. So I, I don't understand that, but I could see Burns or Petrie ending up there now to fill in that space. Yeah. Carolina doesn't know how to manage high-end defensemen. They ruined Jake Gardner. He, he had the potential <laughs> to be, you know, the one that got away, go down as one of the best defensemen in history. If he already isn't and they just ruined him. So it's, it's very, but even with Justin Falk, Dougie Hamilton, they, they seem to just think we can just replace him with the next guy up and they've done it so far. So maybe they have someone, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe they have a plan. I'm not going to count out Carolina just yet because they always seem to have an answer when it comes to the defenseman. They just, it's a defense factory. At Carolina. All right, a quick one. Ilya Samsonov, not tendered an offer by the Washington Capitals. Very strange. At one point, he was earmarked as their starter. So he's going to hit the open market. Is this the answer for the Edmonton Oilers or the Oilers destined for Darcy Kemper? I still see Kemper being the guy, but this is the one that, that surprised me a little bit. So every time you have a goalie hitting the market mm-hmm. and there are still several teams that need one, it's going to make guys think a little bit. But I think if they as long as the money is agreeable, I think most teams would want to sign Kemper first, but it's good to know there's another option available. Some strange stuff happening in Boston. Very strange stuff. Now, I'm not going to you know, be a conspiracy theorist, but I've talked to some people. David Krejci's been in Boston for about a week now. You know, the, Tory Krug's back. The, the old gang's hanging out. He's starting to talk to Boston. Maybe he wants to come back. Now, call me crazy. Cassidy leaves. DeBrusque trade trade request gets thrown away. Cassidy's gone. Krejci wants to play in Boston again. Cassidy's gone. All these guys are happy again. Was there something there with Cassidy and these players that we didn't know about that all of a sudden you take him out of the picture? Because when he got fired, we all questioned why he was getting fired. He was a very successful coach. He had a lot of wins there. You and I both speculated that something didn't seem right. You don't just gas a coach because of one year of of futility when they actually did play pretty good when you consider all the injuries that they had to overcome. What are you hearing, Tim, about Cassidy and all these guys all of a sudden coming out of the woodworks wanting to play for Boston again? It's strange. They So they introduced Jim Montgomery yesterday, the new coach, and Neely and Sweeney and, and even Jacobs like really went to bat for Sweeney and and for the management group, basically saying that this has been one of the winningest organizations over the last decade and a half. They've gone to three Stanley Cups. They got 600% winning percentage. They have made the right moves. They had a lot of success that most franchises dream of, which, I, you know, fair. 
but it was time for a shakeup and and people were upset about the Cassidy leaving they're upset they want Sweeney gone they want Neely gone they weren't left they weren't they were kept Cassidy was sort of the the scapegoat and so they went to bat for those guys yesterday which I think was really annoying and frustrating but there's something to be said for this whole Cassidy thing too because like you said DeBrus wants a trade Bergeron not talking about coming back Krejci Mm -hmm. left and then all of a sudden Cassidy gets let go. DeBrus takes back his trade, his trade requests. Bergeron's talking about coming back now. Krejci is in Boston. That news actually was was and this is speculative all summer, but that news was actually broken that he was in negotiation by uh Lou Merloni. So baseball fans will remember that name. He's a he's a media personality in, in Boston now. So he'll sign. Um Kevin Weeks, you know, he he confirmed it the other day. So he'll sign and I would love to see one full season of Hall, Krejci, Pasternak, right? We haven't seen that uh, for a full season. We started for a very small stretch when they added Hall to trade deadline. Mm. And then you got Bergeron, Marchand, uh, DeBrusque, who's been playing really well with those guys. And all of a sudden, your third line becomes uh, Smith, Coyle, Halla. Halla was in a top six role all last year with Krejci gone. All of a sudden, you add those guys back, and it's it's a little it's a different top nine. They look like a better contender. They got a full season of McAvoy and um, – uh, who's the other defenseman they added? Uh, Lindholm. Lindholm and then Swayman and Allmark. It's a pretty good team. So I, I'm excited about the idea of that. So I think there's something to be said for that. Very exciting in Boston. I, yeah. Cassidy must have been a jerk. He must have not liked him. He must have done something. Who knows? All right. Tomorrow is the big day for agency. There's some big names on the market. I'm just going to touch on a few of them. We don't need to really delve into it. I'm just excited about it. We haven't had an offseason like this where there's been this much firepower available the first day of free agency. There's always a couple guys floating around. This year, we got Gaudreau, Kadri, Malkin, Trocek, Giroux, Kopp, Strom, Palat, Perron, Burkowski, Evander Kane, Klingberg, Manson, Kemper, Jack Campbell. And that's just the first tier. Just name a few. Yeah. There's so many guys. There's so much potential. And the actual nice thing, when you look at it, there are a lot of teams who have a lot of money. Like the, the last few years, people have been cash strapped. I think teams have corrected. They've made some moves. A lot of teams have a lot of money and they're eager to spend, I think. I think we're going to see a lot of dollar bills flying out. Anaheim's got $40 million. Buffalo, Detroit, Arizona all have 30. Calgary has some money to spend if they don't re-sign Johnny Gaudreau. There are some teams that have a decent amount of money, so it will be fun. So check that out. All right, a couple more things. Sonny Milano wasn't qualified by Anaheim. Surprising to you? That was. It wasn't even on my radar. So, yeah, that did surprise me. Yeah, 26-year-old future or former first-round draft pick out of Columbus. Had some highlight reel goals this year. Maybe he was just offering too much or um, asking for too much. And Pat Verbeek, what we've learned in his short term in Anaheim, he doesn't take no guff. The guy, he's just like, you're gonna, you're, you want this much? Fine, beat it. I don't, I don't want to be around you. So he is a no-nonsense GM. He kind of shoots from the hip. And if he doesn't like what you're saying, you're gone. All right, out of San Jose, Mike Greer. Named the GM of uh, the San Jose Sharks. First black GM. Pretty exciting. Pretty good news. Mike Greer, good hockey mind. What do you think about this, Tim? Yeah, really, really cool. Uh, being the first, you know, he's a trailblazer. Uh, we missed this news last week, and it's really, really exciting. And he's already made a couple of smaller deals. He made some draft pick deals um, at the draft. He's a guy, I wonder, like, will he be gun shy, not wanting to, to shake things up too much at first, or does he go out and make a move that kind of declares that he's arrived and this is his team now? Interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah, he's obviously filling in big shoes. Doug Wilson was there for a good 20-some years. So it's it's a little daunting that that franchise has been under the direction of one guy for a long time. So we'll see how he changes up San Jose. He's not being dealt 
a very good deck to play with. You know, he's got a lot of bad contracts. San Jose, that's a tough, tough nut to crack. So maybe he can move some of those guys out, alleviate some of their cap stress in the years forward because they have some good players. They have some guys who you could potentially build around. But when you have the Vlasics and you have the Burns and you have the Carlsons, you can't do much to be a competitive team. All right, Duncan Keith retired. A little bit of a hit to Chicago. Edmonton frees up some cap space there so they can go spend a little bit more money. First ballot Hall of Famer, Tim, next year. Is he going into the Hall? <clears throat> yeah, not next year, but yeah, first first ballot. Or for whenever sure. he's available, like three years from now. Yep. Yeah, first ballot. Three Stanley Cups. I think he had two Norrises. Incredible career. Um, when he was at his prime, he was doing stuff that not many other guys in the league could do. So, yeah, I would say he's first ballot. What about oh, without you? a doubt. He's done it all, every, every stage. NHL, international. The guy's done it all. First ballot. No, no... Uh, no doubt about it. All right, everybody. We will talk to you on Thursday. I just thought we got the Kirby Doc interview. I'm going to want to talk about all these signings. I know. We'll have to do three this week for sure. No, because I'm going to have a baby on, on the way. So we might have to do the Doc interview, release it next week, and then do another one and talk about the free. We'll figure it out. You guys don't need to know about this. We'll make sure it's all gravy. Hope everybody had a good weekend. I hope you're having a good week. And we will talk to you guys later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.